Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brent Daughtry and Brooks Childress on the show with me today. Going to be a fun show planned for you today. It is a Thursday, but we're going to have Kevin Ives on at AUPPL on Twitter at 4 o'clock. He will talk Auburn baseball with us as Auburn gets set for a really pivotal series against Mississippi State in terms of SEC standings and NCAA tournament resumes and that sort of thing. So we will talk to Kevin about what's up next for Auburn baseball. Of course, we'll have all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Birthdays and sports, as always, a nightly TV guide. We'll also kind of hit on a range, uh, array of different subjects. This will be my last show of the week. This will also be Brooks's one and only show of the week. Major life event coming up for Mr. Childress. But we do want to tell you that the show will go on, and tomorrow, Brant and Cam will be live at Glenn Smith in Opelika as we will have a remote show to kind of honor uh, and try and support the victims of, uh, of, of the tragedy in Dadeville, uh, being Dadeville Strong. So they're putting on an event down there in Opelika that we're going to be at for the show. So we will have a live remote show. Same time as always, 3 to 6 tomorrow, Brant and Cam. Uh, we'll be heading the show from there, so stop by, say hello, and, and figure out how you can help the cause uh, as Dadeville mourns this tragedy from this past week. But again, a lot to do on the show today. We will start with Mr. Brooks Childress. Brooks, uh, big week for you. Uh, nothing in particular, uh, I would say, of of huge note, except you know, a little thing called marriage uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, good to have you on the show once this week, and... Uh, I mean, it's uh, there are big, there are bigger things than sports, and one's coming up for you pretty soon, and I, we're all excited for you. I feel like I've been missing an action these past few weeks because I've been doing a lot of high school stuff, so I haven't really. I've I've been averaging like one show a week in general, uh, and so this the being being on here one day this week is not really a, a, a new thing, but. Yeah, and, and you know, if we want to get technical with it, Mr. Lavoy, uh, this is my last show for the week and for the month. Yeah, I won't be back until you won't hear my voice on here until after the first of May. Um, so, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the uh, the kind words that I've heard throughout the week from the from the show. I'd have uh, picked up on some some people that that have called in and and, and said some nice things about me, but for you know some reason. 
Um, I've got some people fooled, and yeah, you're a great guy. We're not going. I know you're joking, but you're a great guy. It's a, well, I, I appreciate that. But yeah, it's a big getting ready for a big sports weekend. Uh, the Braves back in action starting tomorrow night. They host the defending World Series champion Houston Astros. So the second year in a row they host the Astros. I was at the, I got to go. Was privileged enough to be able to go to the series, one of the games for the series last year in Atlanta. And so they get them back this weekend. And you know, the uh, we talked about it off air a little bit earlier. The the Astros kind of out the gates, not the not the strongest start out the gates. So hopefully the Braves are very strong out the gates. Can take you know two out of three at home versus the Astros to get this uh, home stand started and. Then also, you know, big series for Auburn baseball right now. I saw yesterday that uh, I think it was D1 baseball released a field of 68 or field of 64, and they had Auburn as the last four out. And first four out. For, yeah. First four out, yeah. and, and Mississippi State was the last four in. And so that's your series this weekend is, is if you win, this, whoever wins the series, uh, and at least in D1 baseball's eyes, kind of submits themselves in a, in a spot for, you know, one of those last few spots of the NCAA tournament and, You'd really like it to be those Auburn Tigers at home this weekend. I'm sure it's going to be a great crowd. We can't wait to talk about all about it. Uh, softball got a big win last night over Jacksonville State. Gets set for another big series this weekend in the SEC versus Alabama on the road. And Bree Ellis on the postgame show last night talked about how nobody on this current team has won in Tuscaloosa. And it's, uh, it's a big series. And so it, it's a lot of big sporting events going on this weekend. A lot of stuff to talk about over the next few hours. Can't wait to talk to you guys as usual. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Absolutely. And then Brant Daughtry also on the show for the first time this week. Of course, not the only time, as I just mentioned. But Brant, good to have you here, sir. Yeah, man. Like Brooks said, a lot of high school stuff kind of keeping me off the show right now. But that's fine. I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I love going to the, the, the different Smith Station contests and calling their games and and being a part of that program as much as, much as a, a play-by-play guy can. And, uh, yeah, first of all, congratulations, Brooks. I know I've said it to you a, a few times now, but for the first time on the show, thank you, sir. big congratulations. And like Ryan said, major life event going on here uh, for you. So that's that's really exciting. I, I, I will never forget the uh, like the first week I was working here. I come in one day, and J.J. Jackson, former ho- host of this show, is talking to our general ma- manager, Brooke Myers. And I'm just kind of sitting in the office, still like not knowing anybody. And JJ goes over and starts talking with Brooke about like, you know, Brooks and Grace have been dating for a long time. Do you think he's ever going to propose? <laughs> this is like my first week here, and there's like some drama about how long you've well, been dating your girlfriend. I can tell you what. And then you came in later that day, and JJ was like, Are you ever going to get engaged? Uh, uh, and you're like, I don't know, soon. Take you behind baseball, the or inside baseball. The uh, however long that conversation went, it'd been going on for a lot longer. In yeah, the, in I'm the sure. private private domiciles of Brooks and Grace. It it felt it felt like it had been happening for for some time, at least uh, around that office. But it was kind of funny watching that be one of my very first interactions with the people around the office. To now, you're getting married this weekend. It's, it's been pretty fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, a, a lot going on in sports. I, I assume that's what we'll spend most of the day talking about. Um, no, I was going to talk wedding all day. Okay, no, no I, hey, I I'm fine mean, with that. Listen, listen. I wasn't invited, there, but... There is only one reason that I'm in this studio two days before my wedding, and that's so I don't have to talk about the wedding. <laughs> that's fair. So That's fair. All right, I will, I will leave big life events such as weddings <laughs> um, on the back burner. We'll... We'll just focus on that this week, and we'll leave it to that. So let's talk some sports, shall we? Uh, we have uh, some more Auburn basketball news, uh, very similar variety to what we talked about the other day with Janai Broom. 
as we approach this NBA draft deadline entry date again you don't have to keep your name in the draft it's that's not till like may 31st when you have to make a final decision on that but we saw two days ago janine broom make the decision to at least test the nba draft waters and now auburn's jalen williams has done something similar again i think everyone noting similar to broom that this is just a part of the process to just gauge where his stock is what he's going to need to work on if he were to have a pro career and I think this is much more exploratory than it actually is, you know, trying to actually be a part of the NBA draft this year. So, again, with that in mind, guys, similar conversation, but you guys have not been on the show this week. So, with both Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, again, two decisions to test NBA draft waters. But ultimately, I think the common thought is that both will, will come back to Auburn at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that, that's kind of where my thoughts are as well. You, you know, or you can note that they very specifically say, I am maintaining my college eligibility. This is this is more of a fact-finding mission, I think. Hey, what am I good at? What do I need to work on? What do NBA teams see me as? What, what can I improve on to improve my draft stock, to have a better shot in the NBA? And you can stay in college and listen to your college coaches tell you that, but who better to tell you about what the NBA wants from you than guys who are NBA guys? So... That's really, I feel like, more of what this is. I don't think either of them is quite good enough to go pro yet. Um, I have my doubts about Janai Broom's ceiling. I certainly think that Jalen Williams can become an NBA guy uh, if he gets a little more aggressive. But I, again, I'm not a scout. I don't know. I'm just kind of, this kind of my reading of the situation. But again, like you said, I expect both of them to be back next year. Yeah, no new, known reason for Auburn fans to push the panic button that uh, Bruce Pearl and the staff's losing everybody. It, it's, you know, that that's what it really feels like. It's like you guys said, it's a fact-finding mission. It's a, I'm going to go and get my grade uh, to see what, uh, what the um, – what what NBA scouts think of me, what NBA teams think of me, what I need to work on, what I need to improve on. And, you know, more than likely you see them back in an Auburn uniform next year. Now, I'm not, you know, don't need to rule out completely. Maybe Janai Broom goes there and they say, hey, man, you're, you know, you're a back-in second-round pick. And he's like, all right, that's good enough for me. I'm going to jump in this year. But, you know, I think that more than likely – they're both going to be back in an Auburn uniform next year. They'll know what they need to work on, what they need to improve on going into next year, maybe uh, punch their way into a, a draft position in the coming coming years from Auburn. But it's, you know, it's, it's no need to panic. It, it is it's a probable – more than likely – just getting your grades, just getting what to work on coming in the next season. Well, and I wonder, too, like if you're someone like Broom or Williams or just anybody that enters the draft knowing that they were not likely to be picked if they stayed in the draft that year, you know, what if the conversation is more like, hey, man, really, I don't know what you can do. You're just not really an NBA player. And, and now, <laughs> granted, I don't think that a scout would necessarily say that. They'd still – then maybe – Try and put you down lightly and give you like a slimmer of hope where it was like, well, you really don't have this kind of skill set. But if this, this, and this happened, maybe, you know, maybe it was more, be more like that. But like, what if you were told, like, yeah, I really don't know how you're going to improve your stock. Like, like you've got this limiting factor to your game or you've got this lack of athleticism that's not really something that you can train, you know. If you heard that, I, I would say, okay, well, what would then the player, what would the player think at that point? Well, I don't think it would cause them just to go ahead and go pro, like, oh, it's not going to get better than this, so I'm going to go ahead and be undrafted and start now. No, I think that when these guys 
put that qualifier as Brant said that maintaining college eligibility. I think there's the clear intention there to say, you know what, if 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 there is a path for me to get better, great. Also, if there's not, if I'm truly just not looking like I'm going to be a pro, I still want to have the option to come back to college. I think it's more so that kind of line of thinking of, well, I'll just fine. I'm not going to get drafted ever. I'll just go ahead and go pro. That's the that's the Wendell Green Jr. mentality where he he went to the draft knowing that he's not going to get picked, and it doesn't matter because he just wants to start a pro career. So I think if you're leaving this qualifier on there that I'm going to maintain my college eligibility, I think there is the real intent to find out where you would be. And no matter what they say, even if it's, okay, they're they're not going to be picked, but there's things that you can work on, or you're not going to be picked and you're probably never going to be picked, I think that maintaining college eligibility part shows me that no matter what the scouts say, unless there is some world where they are going to get picked and I'm it's going to surprise everybody I think they will be back and and you know when you, you like you said it more than likely it's it you know they they come back with the you know say oh it's not going to get any better let me just go ahead and go pro well the, the world that we live in now with the NIL world you don't have to say yeah. oh it's not getting any better I let me go make my go ahead and start making my money they're already making their some money here in, in, in college. And so the NIL world kind of helps that decision too, where if you do go, you know, if, say Jalen Williams or Janai Broom goes out and says, the, you know, the scouts say, hey, you know, in more or less words, not going to get much better, you know, that this is where your draft grade is going to be no matter what year you come out, no matter what you work on. It's there more than likely you're going to say, well, I could, I could go and start a pro career, but I'm already making money here and I'm starting here. I could go overseas, play somewhere, maybe be a bench player in, you know, Croatia or somewhere, or I could continue to be a starter, play valuable minutes here, and still, you know, make some money here while in college. And so NIL could help that decision-making, too, of coming back. And have a big national audience. And I think yeah. that that in particular is what is going on with big men in college basketball because big men in college basketball – uh, the, the success of big players in college basketball is is maybe even less relevant to what they will be as big men in the NBA. There are a lot of college bigs that are really good that do not fit the style of an NBA big player. And I think you've seen this in recent years. Maybe you've seen it really overall for a long time, but at least in recent years when you look at guys like Armando Baycott, Oscar Chibway, if Zach Eady ends up coming back, I know he put his name in the draft, but is again maintaining college eligibility. These are dominant college bigs that if you were just looking in a vacuum, oh, well, they're some of the top five or ten big players in the in college. Surely they'll go to at least have some sort of NBA career. Well, obviously it doesn't work that way because these guys are kind of back to the basket, not really necessarily uh, the most athletic or fleet of foot, although they might have one or two really great traits. And the great NIL deals allow them to make as much or more money in college coming back to a big program and get to have the big impact on their team rather than grinding at the bottom of the G League for a skill set that is never going to really be attractive in today's NBA. Maybe 30 years ago it would have been, but back-to-the-basket guys are just not that popular in the NBA anymore, so... When I think of Janai Broom, as he tries, to, you know, he tried late in the season to get a three-point ball working and started to shoot it better. It's like, well, if he's going to be an NBA player, given that he is a little bit uh, less athletic than the average big, he is big. I mean, he's six ten. That's not small, 
But if you're going to be on the slower end of things, you're probably going to need to develop some sort of jump shot if I were speculating what, what the draft guys will tell him. And so at least that's something he can work on. But if he never develops it, he's not going to be a pro because, well, he only plays back to the basket and you know is a, a pretty good defender and good shot blocker and stuff. But again, at 6'10 and, and not having the athleticism in, in terms of speed would make it hard on him uh, at the next level. We're going to take our first time out of our number one today. When we come back, we'll hit the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, a little bit later today, want to talk a little bit about the football transfer portal. An interesting quarterback name, in my opinion, went in the portal today. We'll tell you about that and more coming up a little bit later in the show. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry on the program here on this beautiful, sunny afternoon. 334-887-341, locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 are the numbers to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. First up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing great, and I, I'm so glad to hear of uh, the uh, voices of both Mr. Brooks Childress, yes, sir, and Mr. Brett Daughtry. Have, haven't heard you guys in a while. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been really busy. We've been, both of us been doing a lot of a uh, lot of high school stuff lately, and so we we we've been averaging like one show a week. And today's the day. Well, speaking of today's the day, uh, I'd like to get a. Oh, could we please get an update on the status of a. Uh, uh, Grace, your fiance, for the upcoming wedding on Saturday. Uh, is she still committed to you, or has she in Uh-oh. any way indicated indications to enter the transfer portal? <laughs> As of this time, we have no uh, no rumors out there that she is going to be entering the transfer portal. We are monitoring the situation up until the last minute, but uh, the portal does close tomorrow or Saturday afternoon <laughs> at 4 p.m., and so if she's not in the portal by then, uh, that she, is, she is locked down for at least another year. <laughs> okay. Well, apparently she looks like she's pretty uh, committed and has decided that you are Mr. Wright. Yeah, I guess so. Now I got her a good NIL offer. Well, having said that, uh, you obviously uh, are Mr. Wright in her eyes. Uh, I want you to remember this, okay? After 42 years of marriage, um, this is unsolicited advice, but even though you may be Mr. Wright, remember, she will remain Mrs. Ryder. 
that that's that's what I hear. Okay, so uh, the only words that you need to really consider coming out of your mouth whenever she uh, needs or asks you of something is, okay, honey, uh, uh, when do you need to get that done, honey? Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've got that written down, and I, I'm going to make sure that I keep it right above my bed where I can I see it every morning when I wake up. And whatever you say, dear. That's right. All right. Uh, could you share with us or not where your honeymoon plans are? Uh, we'll be taking a, a uh, North Caribbean cruise. Okay. So we're going to be in the All Bahamas right. and in Mexico for a couple days. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll have a good time. And uh, make sure as much as you can to make sure she stays away from any, uh, let's say, uh, unseemly bachelorette parties. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can control her that much. Okay, bye. Uh, neither can neither I could control my wife either. All right, so um, let's get to it, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Yes, sir. You had a little teaser for us, as uh, sports uh, announcers tend to do quite often on TV and radio, about a transfer in the portal of a quarterback. Yes, I did. Could you share it with us? What's the teaser? All right, so uh, just someone that uh, might want to keep an eye on is uh, Cincinnati quarterback Ben Bryant, who entered the portal today. Um, he was Cincinnati's starter last year, 21 TDs to 7 uh, interceptions, 62% passer. Uh, Emory Jones transferred to Cincinnati, and I think that he might be in the process of winning that job. And so Ben Jones hit the portal, and of course we know that a couple SEC schools, including Auburn, are still looking for a quarterback to compete for their starting job. So I think Ben Jones might be someone that they look at. Again, that's not uh, that's not firm evidence. Haven't scooped that from the beat writers or anything like that. That's just my personal opinion that that might be someone that Auburn ultimately looks at. And he's a junior, or what's his? Uh, a level. He's been at Cincinnati for a while, so I think that he's down to maybe one or two years of eligibility left. Uh, he was actually the starter before at Cincinnati. He was the starter at Eastern Michigan, where he had even uh, even bigger uh, bigger numbers. I'm gonna have to double check here um, everything about uh, his eligibility here, because of course he got the COVID year and uh, have to. Take one second, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he was Cincinnati's quarterback last year, and uh, was able to uh, put up pretty pretty good numbers with Cincinnati, obviously in the AAC. But um, you know, he's been working his way up college football, and again, I think at this point, it's not going to look like a a home run QB. It's going to be more someone that could uh, potentially uh, compete for the job. Well, I was going to ask you, how is he compared to the existing quarterback uh, that we have uh, on campus right now? Yeah, so he is more of a pocket guy, uh, which you know some will tell you that uh, it's going to have to be someone that uh, does have mobility to him. Um, but I think that overall, um, because he's a veteran, because he's been around for a while, that I think that that's just someone that they will uh, look at because of, again, you're not going to have the SEC options. I think we've talked about that earlier this week where, um, unfortunately, you just don't have uh, the ability because of the SEC rule to transfer in conference after, I think, February 1st was the date. So you've got to look at these quarterbacks elsewhere. I don't, I've, 
uh, so with I, I don't know if I said his last name if I confused his last name it's Ben Bryant and he was he is only going to have one year of eligibility it looks like because he was uh, technically a senior this past year at Cincinnati so he's going to have one year but the year before that Eastern Michigan he was a 68 percent passer uh, 14 TDs to seven picks and then like I said 21 TDs seven picks in, in 11 games with Cincinnati this year okay well I'll be looking for his name see if uh, he any of the guys on 247 Sports uh, begin uh, talking about him. All right, um, my time is short, so I appreciate the time it's given to me. So let's go real quickly, guys. Lightning round. Uh, how about the interest that apparently a five-star Georgia linebacker commit by the name of Demarcus Whitting apparently uh, has Auburn really, really close, in his words, uh, to being uh, one of three schools that he's looking at beside Georgia, and that's Alabama and us. Uh, guys, uh, you – Know anything more about him or how serious he may or may not be coming uh, to us? Uh, not, not particularly. Uh, I, I know that there's a bunch of um, there's a bunch of four and five star guys that Auburn has been recruiting that uh, are already committed elsewhere. But obviously, we know in the world of college football that has not always translated to the rec- recruitment being done. So I, I just know that he uh, is out of the state of Alabama. Uh, out of the Clint, uh, Chilton County area, and so I, beyond that, though, I, I I'm not familiar with with how closely. I mean, again, you know, based off of what you said, it seems like Auburn is making a good run, but I'm not familiar with their their chances. All right, moving on about the game last night, a three to nothing uh, win. I thought uh, was uh, really really uh, good and needed. And uh, coming on the heels of that, I just saw a few moments ago on two four seven Sports that this Maddie Pinta has been selected as one of 25 finalists for the USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. Yes, sir. And she, I didn't know this, she currently leads the SEC and ranks sixth in the country with 19 wins, yeah. including she's recorded the 50th win of her collegiate career, which uh, puts her in eighth place all-time in school uh, history uh, to reach that milestone. That's uh, quite, quite amazing. And of course, she's still only a junior. So if he, she ends up with another year at Auburn, then she could really uh, shatter all those records. And speaking of uh, Player of the Year, Rookie Player of the Year, we talked about. Uh, well, Kelsey, do you know when that will be announced? The NBA Rookie Player of the Year. Rookie of the Year should be a matter of days. They they kind of announced one award a day, and they've announced Coach of the Year yesterday. I think they did Defensive Player of the Year the the day before. So I mean, Rookie of the Year could be could be any day. Any day, okay. And then from Jason Caldwell, he uh, reports that apparently our uh, uh, well, our, our planned uh, preseason starting uh, Gonzalez, a uh, baseball pitcher, may be uh, ready to play shortly. Uh, you guys, have you read that? Who would? Who are you talking about, Steve? Gonzalez. Oh, Joseph Gonzalez, oh, yeah. the pitcher. Yes. But it was a couple weeks ago that Butch Thompson gave the update that it, it could be another six weeks, and that was that was the middle of March. So, you know, we're we're probably about halfway through that timeline. I, I believe the last thing that we we saw from from or heard from Butch is that probably looking around the first of May, maybe the middle of May, to get the get him in maybe one of those last two series of the year, maybe that Ole Miss or the Missouri series before you hit the tournament, but. It seems like the the Gonzalez injury situation continues to just you know flex and bend, and you never know which, which way it's going to come out. All right. Well, it looked encouraging, and Mr. Lavoy, 
Yes, sir. I'd love to hear your uh, meteorology uh, um, you know, forecast. Did you say something about there's going to be thunderstorms? Because I was looking at the 10-day weather forecast for Auburn and Hourly, and they show no rain. Uh, are, for which day are you talking about? For Friday and Saturday. Yeah, Friday night into Friday night into uh, into early part of Saturday is uh, okay. So we shouldn't have an impact on uh, the, the baseball games or even on uh, Mr. Uh, Brooks's uh, wedding, right? Yeah, I think it's going to time out okay. Uh, they moved the timeline up. It was supposed to be mainly a Saturday uh, event, and uh, they moved the time up, and uh, it should be happening kind of overnight and. Uh, it'll be a little bit more scattered, but yeah, still, uh, it, when there is rain, it would be late Friday into Saturday. All right. Sports trivia time, real quickly, guys. On this date, April 20th, in 1986, a postseason scoring record was set that still stands as of now. All right. What happened? What happened, and who did it? And uh, what year, 1986? In 1986, on this date, I'll uh, give you a hint. It's in, the, it's in the NBA, it happened, and it happened in Game Two of a series uh, against two teams. Uh, was it the and first? This person, what they did, has not yet been surpassed. I mean, sounds like something Jordan would have done. You're you're very very hot. What did he do? Uh, was it, it a sixty point playoff game? Yeah. Or? Very 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 warm. 63 points. 63 points. And in spite of that, it was against the Celtics, they lost the game. Yeah. Uh, early Jordan days, it was he, himself, and I on the Bulls. Can you imagine yourself scoring 63 points and your team still loses the game? Yeah. I, it's uh, it's a lot, especially back then when that would be a higher percentage of the scoring teams now score 115, 120 most games, and back then they would score closer to the, to the 90s. So, uh, yeah, that uh, again, 80 Celtics, though, was a vo- very formidable, uh, one of the great dynasties in, in the sport between 80 Cel- Celtics and 80s Lakers. So, uh, well, you, I, I remember the game, um, Ryan. They went to double overtime. Yeah, uh, that all, overtime helps too. Uh, I, I think double. that was in the last stance documentary about Jordan is how, uh, how good he was in some of those early playoff years, but just, just could not get over the hump. Yeah, the, the final was 135-131, and this quote to me uh, made me laugh. Uh, who do you think said it after the game? I think it's just God disguised as Michael Jordan. That would be Larry Bird. You got it. You know, you know your, your players. All right, another uh, event uh, occurred on this date. Uh, it wasn't uh, in 1986, though. Uh, and this has to do with an event that you guys talk about. Uh, and I don't barely ever watch it, um, but it happened in 2008. What was that sporting event? And this event occurs annually. Uh, the Masters? Nope. It was done by a female. Uh, uh, X Games? What's that? The X Games? Nope. Oh. NASCAR? You're getting very, very close. IndyCar. Yeah. IndyCar. Danica yeah. Patrick. Danica Patrick, 26 years old. 26 years old at the time. She won the Indy Japan 300. Yeah, I think her only uh, Indy win. Maybe she had two, but I think her only Indy win. Yeah. Um, yeah. She. I think she. She may have had another one. Uh, to mention on here. Um, yeah. But uh, wow. 
So she did on this date, and uh, that's a young age, 26, to actually um, accomplish that, that kind of a feat. Uh, and she sure. finally retired in 2011. Right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. She finally retired in 2018. Right. I think she might have moved to NASCAR or done something around 2011. But, uh, yeah, she f- competed full-time in Indy for a few years and then competed full-time in NASCAR. Okay. And, guys, I mentioned you yesterday about uh, our uh, men's golf being in third place in the uh, SEC tournament. Do you know where they stand as of today, what standings are? So the play is wrapped up for today. They, they fell off quite a bit today. They're at two over, and they're tied for 10th right now with Georgia. Ouch. Yeah, the the leaders right now is Texas A and M and Alabama are both tied at fir- on in first with twelve under par for the team. Okay, so tomorrow is the the end of the tournament. So tomorrow is the third round of the of regular you know like play that you would get, and it'll set up match play for the weekend. And so Auburn can make a charge forward; they can get a more favorable matchup. Right now, they'd be, you know, have to be faced with one of those top, uh, one of those top seeds going into match play on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Well, where do they have to uh, finish in order to make the next uh, rounds? Um, that's a great question. I, don't I know thought what the... eighth. I thought that you know, they would start match play at the quarters and have one eight, two seven, three six, and four five. Is what I thought. It, it sounds like the same format from the SEC win, women's tournament, and I think that's what happens. Yeah, it, they're going to start in quarterfinals on Saturday. On Saturday, if you make the, the top eight, you will go into the quarterfinals on Saturday, and then Saturday afternoon you'll hit semifinals, and then the final championship match is going to be 8.30 a.m. on Sunday. Okay, thanks for education. Guys, my time is way, way up. I always thank for your time that you uh, give me. And uh, with that, Brooks, I know that you will have a probably a, a very, very, very uh, enjoyable uh, wedding and reception and, and honeymoon. And uh, please let uh, Grace know that uh, I wish her the best in um, her uh, commitment to you. And uh, I hope you have a, what I would say, a War Eagle uh, wedding and reception. And you guys, I know some of you guys are going to be at the wedding. Are all you guys going to be at the wedding? Uh, some we we've got some sports here over the weekend, so we had to leave some people off the off the list. Oh, okay. All right. Well, with that said, guys, my time is way way up. I thank you for your time, Mr. Brooks Childers. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. On your finding Mrs. Ryder, and uh, because her name is Grace, you will uh, definitely have an enjoyable uh, future with each other. My wife's name is Grace as well, and uh, she's uh, put up with me. So, what can I say? All right, guys, War Eagle, again, have a enjoyable uh, afternoon and weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Good talking to all you guys. Yes, sir, War Eagle Steve. That is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate him for calling in today. Some great words there for Mr. Brooks Childress. We need to take one final time out of hour number one. Again, reminder, Kevin Ives coming up at 4 o'clock to talk some Auburn baseball with us when we come back. Birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Do 
you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, the theme of the first hour, more than anything, uh, Brooks's wedding coming up on Saturday, which uh, he would like to uh, he would like to have arrived. He's been engaged yeah. for a while. Um, I don't think that uh, if we're thinking in terms of long engagements, I don't think that this would have qualified for one of the shorter ones either. No, that you've had that. I, I, no, I, I hold on. I haven't been engaged more than once. Okay. Well, no, 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 not, <laughs> that, I worded that. Weird. Time out. Yeah. You've been right. engaged Gra- seven times. Grace's whole fam- Grace's family's in town. They may be listening. <laughs> I've only been engaged once. <laughs> I worded that time. poorly and I suck at my job. So no, the, uh, just of engagements out there. Uh-huh. This was like a 18 month engagement ish. That's a longer type of engagement. Yeah. I I know a lot of them that are more around a year, I feel like. I don't know. Or at least the ones that have gotten married in my life have been around a year. I should. Uh, there's some one, that are, I've known that are very short. That are much shorter. Shorter than that. So on average, this is on the longer side of things. Anyway, that's a breakdown that no one asked for, and we won't continue at this point. But uh, just The moral few, of the story is I've only been engaged once, but it's right. been for a very long time. Yes. Very go. And we're excited for you, man, at the end of the day. We really are. Uh, so just a few minutes left here in hour number one. Again, coming up at 4 o'clock, Kevin Ives. He'll talk to us about Auburn baseball as they embark on a very important journey against Mississippi State. Really need to win that series. We'll give you the rundown of the SEC baseball standings in just a couple of minutes. But before we end hour number one, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. I made a boo-boo. Okay, that? Everyone's yeah. staring at me. I hit the button twice. All right, everyone calm down. This is not that going well. Scared me a lot. Everyone. Uh, no, nothing's broken. I'm broken. All right, birthdays today <laughs> on Max Credit Union. Nothing's uh, broken. I'm broken. <laughs> presented me, by Max Credit someone Union. Someone get me the Sports Call t-shirt store so I can put that one on the next, <laughs> the next t-shirt. All right, so Luke Keekley turns 32 today, former NFL middle linebacker from the Carolina Panthers, selected ninth overall in the 2012 draft 
by the Panthers out of Boston College. Let's go Eagles! Was the 2013 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2012, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL Tackles Leader, 2010's All-Decade Team, three-time Buckus Award winner at uh, Boston College, Keekley was 2011 ACC Defensive Player of the Year and 09 ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. Two-time consensus All-American. Three-time first-team All-ACC has his jersey number 40 retired by the Eagles when Keekley turns 32. The old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, turns 78. Well. <laughs> former NFL head coach, former college head coach, and NFL quarterback selected third overall in the 1967 draft by the San Francisco 49ers out of Florida. Let's go Gators! Also played for the Tampa Bay Bonketeers, was most known as head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, Florida Gators, and South Carolina Gamecocks. As a player, Spurrier was 1966 Heisman Trophy winner and 1966 XCC Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-American, member of the Florida Football Ring of Honor. As a coach, Spurrier was 1996 Consensus National Champion, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, 1989 ACC Champion with Duke, seven-time SEC Coach of the Year, six-time SEC Champion, eight-time SEC Eastern Division Champion, member of the College Football Hall of Fame. One of the weirder dynamics was him coaching South Carolina against Florida once he returned to college football after a stint with the Redskins. Steve Spurrier turns 78 today. But, you know, it, it kind of made sense with his last name being Spurrier, coach to the Gamecocks. Uh-huh. Kind of made sense. Spurs. Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I hate that he came along before Twitter. He would have been so good at it. He would no, so good at Twitter. He, He'd been made, yeah. made good to make fun of on Twitter, I think. I, he wouldn't have gotten on he, Twitter. He would have. Well, I mean, the, way, the reason I'm saying that is – he was so good in press conferences at subtle jabs at other coaches. True. If he okay. could do that regularly, I feel like he would be an all-timer. That's fair. I think one of my favorites that he ever had, and it was a dig at Auburn, but it was the Auburn library caught on fire, and someone asked him about it in a press conference for some reason. He said, well, it's a shame because some of them coloring books weren't quite finished. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You got to love Spurrier. Yeah, he was... He is an icon. Uh, he also has a uh, Steve Spurrier gridiron grill that I pass on the interstate in Gainesville <laughs> every single time I'm going to Tampa, and it's like never open for lunch. And so I'm like, well, oh well. So it's a, it's a grill joint, and it's not open for lunch. Yeah, so that's it's wild. A, mainly a dinner place. Yeah, uh. I don't know. Anyway, Steve Spurrier turns 78. If you make good food, I'll know you for that. <laughs> Put it that way. Don Mattingly turned 62, current bench coach for the Toronto Blue Jays, former first baseman for the New York Yankees, six-time MLB All-Star, 1985 American League MVP, nine-time Gold Glove Award winner, three-time Silver Slugger Award winner, 1984 AL batting champion, and 1985 AL RBI leader. He was the 2020 NL Manager of the Year with the Miami Marlins, has his jersey number 23 retired, with the Yankees and is a Monument Park honoree. I think he managed the Dodgers too, did he not? Don Mattingly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, did not go as well there, but Don Mattingly turned 62 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union, Luke Keekley, 32, the old ball coach, 78, and Don Mattingly turns 62. You know, it's, it's a shame because Don Mattingly seems like a guy that I'd like to root for, but he's literally coached. For the Yankee, or he played for the Yankees. Not a big Yankees fan. Sometimes I'll root for them if it, the, the situation presents itself. Coached the Dodgers, which, as a Braves fan, not not a big Dodgers person. And then coached against the Braves several times a year for the past few years as the Marlins coach. And so he's he's a guy that I want to root for, but 
He just and keeps the Dodgers put, bit doesn't help. He puts himself in situations where I can't root for him. How dare he? How dare he? <laughs> how, how dare he? Well. Uh, <laughs> you can just do that at any moment, and I would I would break stride. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. just so you know. We are out of time for hour number one. Well. However, when we come back, we will have Kevin Ives at AUPPL. Hopefully, Steve Spurrier will not arrive in that conversation. You never know. Or it would be cool if he did. I don't know. But we will talk Auburn baseball with Kevin Ives coming up after this timeout. Stay tuned. More sports call after this break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two, starting right now, Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childers with me here on this beautiful afternoon. And uh, it's a beautiful day to go to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome on Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. Usually this happens on a Monday, but still great to talk with you, sir, as we get ready for another important Auburn baseball series. And again, I, I hope you're doing well today. I'm doing good. And yeah, it's probably the most important series of the year right now. I mean, this is Auburn, unfortunately, has hit kind of make or break time. And, uh, this Mississippi State series, just knowing where Auburn is at and where State is at, and that it's at home, and that the weekends are kind of dwindling down. This will, this weekend will say a lot whether or not Auburn will go to the postseason. Absolutely. And before before we look ahead, Kevin, let's do look at what's transpired since the last time we talked. And obviously, that very important series in Tuscaloosa started out great for the Tigers with the opening victory, but then dropped the next two and and uncharacteristically did not have the best offensive performance. They had had a long streak of scoring five or more runs that came to an end over the weekend. So, what kind of what went wrong for the Tigers at the plate? I think the the biggest thing is Auburn just really couldn't get out of their own way. They kept hitting into double plays, especially in that Saturday game. I think they ended the last four innings um, hitting into, in the, into inning-ending double plays. And so Auburn didn't have a problem kind of getting guys on. It was really just bringing them home. And then the offense was pretty much non-existent um, in that Saturday and Sunday game. And Auburn, you know, actually had decent pitching that weekend. 
the you know kind of close call on on Friday, notwithstanding. But you know the pitching was kind of doing its part, or, or was improving a little bit. The walks were still tremendously where they don't need to be, and the hit by pitches still need to be improved. But the story of last weekend was definitely to me was the, the offense not being able to kind of break through, get that timely hit. Um, and you wonder if part of that is just because they had been leaned on so often that they just didn't have anything kind of left in the tank for that for this for this past weekend. Um, but it's one thing where they kind of just got to move forward. They did bust out in a big way against Sanford on Tuesday um, and were able to run rule Sanford. And so you saw the offense clicking a little bit more um, and maybe kind of getting back at stride. I know it's one game and um, it was against Sanford, but you hope that the lessons that were learned from last weekend are able to translate into success this weekend against Mississippi State. Kevin, you know, you talked about a little bit earlier that this is one of the most important series of the year. When You know, you look at it, I think D1 Baseball released a, a field of 68, field of 64 uh, yesterday that had Mississippi State the last four in, Auburn the first four out. And that, you know, the, it feels like this series this weekend is going to be one of those that it, if Auburn was able to win it, that'll flip them. If Mississippi State's going to win it, if wins it, it's going to put Mississippi State more in the driver's seat for that spot ahead of Auburn. It, when, you, when you're looking at this series, the fact that Auburn gets it at home and plans in Park where they're 16-6-1 on the year, what is that, you know, what type of confidence does that give a team? I mean, it's definitely huge, and it's a big deal. Auburn has been very successful at home. And I think, you know, Mississippi State, kind of got that bump last weekend because they took care of Ole Miss, um, a team that's kind of in the same pecking order of where Auburn is right now. Um, and those four teams in the West, Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State, two of them are basically going to be left out um, when it comes to Hoover, when it comes to the postseason. That's, that's really how I think it's all going to kind of shake out. And, you know, Mississippi State really benefited last weekend of having their series at home, having it on Super Bulldog weekend, which is their big rah-rah. Um, event um, this weekend, you know, now that it's Mississippi State is on the road, where they've not been a really good road team, um, and Auburn has been a little tougher on the road on, at home. It's it's a situation to where Auburn to win and to be successful, um, they've got a good path because with that Mississippi State series, with the LSU series, and ending with Missouri series, three out of the last five series are at home, and if Auburn can really just take the series. Um, and really defend their home turf, turf and everything else was kind of settle, settle itself into place. Uh, Kevin, with the, this series being as big as it is, can you give us a scouting report on the Mississippi State Bulldogs? Uh, what, what have they done so far this year, and who are some players we need to look out for? They're, I mean, they're really the, – they've gone – for lack of a better they've just had a tough season. I mean, they, they really have kind of – Fallen off a bit, um, you know. They're just two years removed from the College World Series. They have um, kind of the guy that's going to get most of the hype is going to be one of their starting pitchers because he's an ambidextrous pitcher. Can't even get the word. He pitches with both sides of the plate. Um, you know, he can't do that in the middle of an at bat, but he's kind of gotten a lot of um, he's gotten a lot of publicity just because he's able to be to pitch at such a high level. At that, Dakota Johnson is a, is a pretty talented freshman that they have. They're a team actually that has some of the same pitching issues that Auburn has. I know probably it made a lot of Auburn uh, Auburn fans groan when they would show that stat during the Alabama weekend about Auburn ranking last in all the categories, and then they weren't last in walks allowed. And that was actually that was, Mississippi State actually held that distinction, or um, you know, kind of has has been known about that. So. 
they're probably honestly going to be a lot of offense in both games. Well, you think there's going to be a lot of offense in both games. And, you know, if, if both teams kind of do what they've done most of the season, you know, probably a lot of walks. But if you look at the Alabama series, you kind of thought that maybe this, a similar thing would happen. So it's easy to see these two, these being really close, low-scoring games because that's just kind of how baseball is. You, you're going to go in kind of expecting both teams with pretty powerful offenses, solid offenses, and consistent offenses, and kind of lackadaisical pitching, for lack of a better term. Um, when they go at each other, you expect the hitting will have the advantage. But I, I don't know. For, for some reason, um, it never seems to work out that way. But for Mississippi State this weekend, they're going to throw it. They're going to play a ton of guys. They're going to pitch a ton of guys. Um, their pitching has been inconsistent. Their hitting has been consistent. Um, and they are definitely going to have a home run threat. So that's the, one of the bigger things that Auburn's going to have to watch out for is really – Keep the ball low. Don't don't give them anything that they can just launch. Um, and I think Auburn should be okay. I know, Kevin, what I'm about to say is a little vague, but I recall in the past thinking about some sort of statistic where if an SEC team goes like 12 and 18 or the in the SEC or 13 and 17, some some magical number where it's it becomes very often that team makes the tournament, and then you fall below that SEC number, and it's very likely you don't make it. So Auburn being at five and ten halfway through SEC play, what in your estimation is that number in conference wins that they're going to have to get to uh, if they want to make the NCAA tournament? It's really twelve. I mean, and, and you were right. It's twelve has been the number. It's, it's usually been twelve and fifteen. Um, it's been very rare for a team that's been at least you know four hundred in the league where you're fourteen and fourteen, or um, you know twelve and fifteen in the in the league, or something like that, um, where they've where they have not made the tournament. I think it only happened, like, I think Kentucky was the only team that um, was kind of left out. Where Auburn is with, you know, their overall record um, and with their RPI, and it's just going to keep going up or upwards at this point because you still have series against LSU and South Carolina on deck. Um, Auburn has gotten the benefit of some of the teams that they played early on, having good seasons like USC, so that's another little bit of a bump. So, to make the NCAA tournament, I really think it's going to go to that 12 or 14 win mark in the SEC. Um, and it's still doable. I mean, there's um, there's five series left. You know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, Missouri, um, and then South Carolina. And so you kind of go down the list and you want to take two of these series at the very least. You want to take, if you take three, then you're in really good shape. And then just don't get swept and you're going to be fine. I think that's the best thing that you can say about the the team is that they're not in a situation like maybe Ole Miss is right now. They only have three SEC wins, where you know they're really staring down the barrel of gun that they they if they don't turn around soon, everything is going to be off the table for them. For Auburn, there's still everything like making an NCAA regional and making the SEC tournament are still within reach, um, and they're still achievable. I think that's one of the things that's going to be preached to the players is that it's all in their hands right now it's that you know just win the games and everything else will take care of what it needs to be taken care of and then kevin we, I, I know you touched about it a little bit earlier but you know it, it's the the thing we have to talk about every single time we talk about the sovereign baseball team is the pitching staff you got tommy vale going friday night christian herbert holtz going on saturday our good friend tba playing Sunday right now. Uh, what, what what do you think, you know, and I know, you, you know, like you said, you touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, what, what is the key for success with this pitching staff this weekend that, that has, you know, struggled this year? 
it's it's honestly to throw strikes because the defense Auburn's defense has been you know tremendous and has been one of the best in the leagues. And so if you let the defense work behind you, don't try to nip around corners and kind of pound the strike zone and throw strikes. Then good things are going to happen. Uh, the defense is good enough to back you up when you need to be. Auburn's not a team that's really going to boot the ball around and make a lot of defensive miscues. So there's no real reason to you know constantly always try to get the strikeout. You know. Auburn doesn't really have a high strikeout guy on their staff this year or anybody that's kind of developed into that mindset. So you got to kind of do the opposite. I mean, you can still be a successful pitcher and just have a low pitch count, put the ball in play, um, you know, try to keep everything low so you can induce ground balls and, and stuff like that. And I think everything else will, will kind of click into place. Um, you know, on the pitching side, you know, you wanted another outing like Tommy Bell had. Against Alabama, that was a real shot in the arm on that Friday night game. And Christian Herberholtz is, is of, the, of the pitchers that have um, appeared. I think he's the next one that's going to – they're giving the, the long test at a start for because he's been able to use the strike zone to his advantage, um, and he hasn't really been all over the place. But I think anybody that's watched Auburn baseball the past you know couple weeks or even this whole year knows that the walks and the free passes – um, which include like hit by pitches. That, that, that's the problem. That's really what's killed Auburn, and that's an easily correctable mistake. Um, you just kind of have to trust your stuff and, and let things happen. And then Kevin, before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on on some other stuff around the SEC. Obviously, a couple of the opponents that Auburn has down the line in LSU and South Carolina are, are two of the very best teams in the entire country. We know how deep this league is are there any interesting series for you coming up this weekend outside of the auburn series that may either impact auburn uh in the standings race or or maybe just be relevant to, to teams that auburn has here coming up in the, in the final few weeks of the year well i think the alabama missouri series is a big one because auburn's not auburn will play missouri at the end of the year and at this point now you kind of want alabama to just keep losing games i think auburn fans in general just want alabama to keep losing games but um you want by the time Missouri gets here, um, for them to be, you know, a pretty decent team, a pretty successful team, a pretty high RPI team, um, and be in the hunt a little bit. That'll kind of help Auburn for that last series. So that's a big one. Um, and really, it's not necessarily affecting Auburn as much, but I mean, the marquee series this weekend, or there's two really, but the, the marquee series this weekend is going to be South Carolina and Florida. And that starts tonight. I mean, that's a huge matchup between, uh, the two of them. Really, it's, they're kind of battling at this point for who's going to be second in the league, uh, second in the East, because Vanderbilt, I think, is, um, has really done, has really done what Vanderbilt normally does and, um, has kind of just stayed consistent. And so for Florida and South Carolina, their series is huge. Um, and then Tennessee Vanderbilt is not getting as much hype as it would have if Tennessee wasn't having the season that they're having. Tennessee, I think, really has surprised a bunch of people with, um, how inconsistent they've been. Um, they dropped a midweek game to Tennessee Tech this, this week, and you know they had that opening that opening series out in Arizona where they really um, did not look like the Tennessee that kind of pissed off a bunch of fans, but also you know made a lot a lot of fans interested in baseball last season. Um, so I, I really all the series are going to be interesting, but I, I think for Auburn fans, you check out the Alabama uh, Missouri series uh, definitely for tonight because there's only like six major league games on tonight. So check out the first one about Florida and South Carolina, um, and then keep an eye on Tennessee Vanderbilt. He's Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you enjoy another great weekend in baseball, and we'll talk again soon.
Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Kevin Ives joining us on this Thursday edition of Sports Call right here in Tiger 95.9. We will take our next time out of the show. More of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line coming up. A little transfer portal talk and college football coming up and much more. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Beautiful, beautiful afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us, talking a little Auburn baseball with us on the other side of that break. If you missed any of that, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Of course, you can... Find the Sports Call podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. So a lot of great ways to listen to the show live or after the fact. All right, we teased this in hour number one, then ended up talking a little bit about it with Steve. I wanted to bring up some uh, some portal news for college football. Not that Auburn has gotten anyone yet or necessarily zeroed in on a bunch of players this is just kind of speculatory on my part uh but uh an interesting quarterback at the portal today by the name of ben bryant he uh, was at cincinnati last year started 11 games and got a little banged up at the end of the year before that he was at eastern michigan again anytime a quarterback hits the portal at this point in the year and there's only a couple weeks to do so so again this is not like something that will last for months i mean this is i think the end of the month is what you have until uh to, to get your name in the portal anytime someone with starting experience hits the portal i'm going to look at that if i if i'm auburn not necessarily i'm going to fall head over heels because i feel like that guy is not going to become available and again to reiterate something that i don't know if we really realized until this week but if you're in the sec and you transfer after february i think first or fourth whatever date in february you cannot transfer to another SEC school and be eligible immediately without a waiver. And who knows how likely you would be to actually get a waiver. I, I, I don't know the circumstances you'd be granted one. That is an SEC rule. And the SEC is looking into changing that because they're realizing that some really good talent is leaving the SEC to become immediately available late in the process. But if you were looking forward to 
someone in the SEC becoming available and then being gettable for Auburn. They can transfer to Auburn, but they can't be eligible right away. And so I know that some people had their eyes on like Brock Vandergriff, the uh, the backup for Georgia. He actually said, I think, yesterday that he's planning to stay at Georgia and not get in the portal. So that might have been someone that Auburn would have looked into. They recruited him hard out of high school. What Even if he did, he would not be eligible uh, right away according to SEC, not NCAA SEC rules. So Ben Bryant, again, is that going to be someone that's going to be sexy for a lot of people? I don't think so. But, guys, I want to get your thoughts on um, – should there be an interest in, in a, someone like Ben Bryant? I mean, are there any other names that you would know of? I know, I think uh, the Oregon State quarterback Nolan is that was that his name uh, that was mentioned the other day by Cole Pinkston, someone that Auburn might look at. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just, Ch- uh, Chance Nolan. Chance Nolan. There we go. Uh, do either one of those guys interest you at all? If you're Auburn, uh, you know, go ahead and. Uh the Bryant kid, read yeah. me off his stats from last year again. I know you. I know you touched on him at the sure. during the Steve call, but go ahead and remind eleven me. starts for Cincinnati, sixty-one point two percent passer, twenty-seven hundred and thirty-two yards, so about that two fifty a game. Twenty-one touchdowns, seven interceptions. The yards per attempt were uh, seven point nine. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, I don't know if it directly translates to the SEC right. from the AAC, but. Uh, 21 and seven. That's not terrible. Um, 7.9 per attempt is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I could certainly see that guy. Does he have rushing numbers at no, all? I know he, I, I am not as desperate for a rushing quarterback as sure. a lot of people are, but I understand the desire to have a guy who can move a little bit. Sure. He is a six three two fourteen. He will have one year of eligibility and no, he, he's one of those guys that does not run the ball. He had like negative 40 last, ah, year, nice. last year. So yeah, good. not a runner. Fair. I, I, yeah, you know, if I have not watched this kid play at all, so I don't know if he's beating up on bad teams and kind of scraping by against the better teams that Cincinnati played, but looking purely at his stat line, that's a guy that at least interests me. I, I would take a look at him if I was in the market for a quarterback for sure. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound like he, you know, would necessarily be the, the, you know, 100% fit into the Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery system um, because you, you really do need more of a dual threat kind of quarterback in that system. And, and But I do value, like you said, Ron, I do value a guy that's had some starting experience, especially in D1 college football. I know it's not the SEC, but it's it's still, you, you know, if you're our D1 starting uh, starter in college football, you're pretty, you know, you're one of the top, you know, what, three, I, I would say, you know, top 300 quarterbacks but there could be quarterbacks on other rosters that are better than you but you were you were able to win a win a starting job at a d1 school and that's pretty impressive so i do value that experience um and and i do you know i, I would i would take a sniff around around a, a starting quarterback that is uh, a guy with or a guy with starting experience um that's in the portal because you know what the the thing is is if you if you're hugh freeze and you do think that Hey, maybe Robbie Ashford is the guy coming into coming into the fall, um, but he needs some, you know, to get pushed. Well, what better way than bring bring in a guy that can push him? And so, and you know, you, there, if you know rumors are true, and if you know trends are true, you may be losing. You're, you could be losing a quarterback in the portal with some starting experience. T.J. Finley could be hitting, hitting that portal uh, sooner rather than later, but we don't, you know, we don't know for sure until his name is in the portal. 
And so if you're losing a guy with starting experience, you need a guy – you need – one, you, just, you need depth at your quarterback position. But if you can get a guy with some starting experience out there – uh, that's in, that's invaluable. That is it, that that's invaluable for a program, especially when you're trying to build a program like uh, Hugh Freeze is here at Auburn. So comparatively, uh, I want to give you some numbers on, on Chance Nolan of Oregon State. Only made five starts last year. I, I'm I, truthfully, I'm not sure if that's due to injury or or play. He was a 59.5 percent passer to Oregon State. Only seven TDs to eight interceptions though at Oregon State last year. 59 and a half percent, 939 yards in uh, five games, so just under 200 yards uh, a game. The year before, he did start all year for Oregon State, was better, 64% pass for 2,677 yards, or just over 200 yards a game, 19 TDs to 10 picks. Uh, the other stuff on on Cincinnati transfer Ben Bryant that I wanted to bring up is that uh, here here's some of the game breakdown for Bryant last year. Uh, they lost two games when he started. They were 9-2. and two. Their losses were to UCF and to Arkansas. They did play two Power 5 schools, so how he did against those schools. Against Arkansas last year, Bryant went 26-43, of 43, 325 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, so that's a 16.5% mark. And against Indiana in a win, he went 24-40, of 40, that's 60% on the dot, 354 yards, four TDs, and one pick. So seemed to be – I take both of those for right, sure. Seemed to be solid against those two P5 uh, opportunities, of course, one of them being an SEC school. Again, did struggle later in the year, had his worst games against East Carolina and Temple at the end. I don't know if injuries there. He only threw 18 passes in one of those games. So uh, started to get banged up at the end. Uh, so, again, that's someone that I think you, you look at if you're Auburn. That does not mean that he would walk in and just automatically get the job. I think you're past the point of having a guy like that unless, you know, as we mentioned before, Grayson McCall – somehow finds his way eligible and in the portal and, and all that in the summer here. But I mean, again, I thought that, the, I thought that the, the deadline to get in the portal would have, would have been at the end of April here. So if that doesn't happen soon, I, I don't know how the, uh, the eligibility would work out again. There's, there's different rules for, for different, <laughs> different types, whether you're a graduate or not, and whether you're in certain conference or not, and it gets a little convoluted, but I guess, I guess Ben Bryant is someone that finally struck my eye hitting the portal today out of Cincinnati. And again, ironically, I saw that Florida might want to be interested in him. Well, he is transferring, or at least he, he said he might come back to Cincinnati. It's kind of weird. He said, I'm getting in the portal, but might come back to Cincinnati. The guy that he's competing with for the starting job at Cincinnati this year is Emory Jones, former Florida quarterback, and yet Florida might have interest in Bryant, so that could be kind of a weird full circle type of thing. If if he ends up going to Florida again, we'll see if Auburn contacts him. And again, at the end of the day, Auburn is certainly looking for I think someone to compete. Uh, they're also maybe looking at someone to not compete in the form of T.J. Finley <laughs> at this point with with his recent uh, some media appearances. So uh, still a lot to be determined. But again, uh, time will start to to get. Uh, get short pretty quick here so we'll see how that all plays out we're gonna take our next break of the show right now more sports call comes up after this timeout
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Auburn baseball lives on the airwaves of Tiger Communications. LaRue to center. Thinky back. He just looks up over the batting eye to center field. Tune in all season long as Butch Thompson and the Tigers battle their way through a tough schedule. The 0-2 from Sheehan. Struck him out. How about that? He strikes out the side. For every strikeout to every big hit, the Auburn Sports Network will bring you all the action all season long. High fly ball, deep into right, at the warning track, grand slammer! Welcome back, Cole Foster. Coverage begins 50 minutes before first pitch with the leadoff show. Don't miss a single pitch from this exciting season of Auburn baseball across the stations of Tiger Communications. Brought to you locally by Auburn Bank, Coca-Cola, Empire Petroleum, Kenny Knox Tire Center, and May Refrigeration. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning sports call. Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here. We are one week away from the NFL draft. It is uh, it's coming up here. Next week we'll do some some fun draft items depending on the day. Uh, might do a full-on mock draft again in the first round. Might just kind of go through some other mock drafts and tell you if we love it or hate it, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, it, you know, Sometimes there's just some prospects that Truthfully, it's like we've not gotten our eyes on as much if they're from a smaller conference or something and they if they play a, a non-skilled position. You know, sometimes you have to be be those dedicated draft guys to get into the weeds. But um, that is coming up in one week, and we will definitely have some thoughts on it next week. I do want to start talking a little bit about it today, though, because as you may have heard if you're listening to hour number one, uh, this will be Brooks Childress's last show uh, for the month of April, uh, due to reasons. And uh, <laughs> I want to get your take, Brooks, on a what the Patriots should do, and then b Is what the Patriots will the draft? do, what the Patriots will do, and then c why did they do that? So Is go, you go ahead. You you give me some some Patriots draft thought. I like I mean like you're obviously a, a huge Patriots fan, and yeah. we again I just. You know, we're going to talk about all of our teams at some point next week when it comes to the draft and what we think is going to happen with our team. So, I mean, want to give you an opportunity with your team. Yeah. Well, uh, again, is um, is there a Yale guy in the draft? Because that's where the Patriots <laughs> are going to go. It, feel, it feels like Bill Belichick makes the weird move. You know, he took the the guy from UT Chattanooga in the first round last year as an offensive tackle, and he you know he he worked out fine, but it was it was still like a you know, hey, Bill, you know, the I know we, you know, you, you're really confident, but we kind of need some skill positions. So the, Bear, the, the Bears, the Patriots have the 14th pick right now. And there's a lot of, I've seen a lot of different mock drafts going, uh, going offensive line. And I've seen some going, um, going uh, defense. And so there, there is, there's been some key departures for the Patriots. Uh, over the past, you know, few months in the free agency, they they have already signed a few guys, but uh, I think right now, you know, it it could it, I think it's either going to be an offensive line to help Mac Jones out, uh, protect him a little bit, 
or it's going to be someone on the defense to kind of bolster the back end, the secondary. Right now, uh, I've seen a few mock drafts with this kid, uh, Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. Um, and so he, he's, he's a guy that would come in and fit into the defense rather well. I've also seen a couple um, – you know, a couple mock drafts where they, if if one of the you know more decent quarterbacks sort of fall that far, the Patriots may go after a quarterback. But I, I think that one's more on the the outside uh, looking the the more the outside chance of that happening because I think I I think they're fine they're with Mac Jones. But you know, over the past several weeks, there's been you know a lot of different stories out there about uh, Bill Belichick not getting along with a quarterback shocker to nobody huh. um but uh, with mac jones and so yeah I, I i couldn't tell you for sure what's going to happen obviously because i'm not bill belichick i'm not sitting in the draft room i don't know what what they're going to do but i i i would lean towards someone in a secondary position um for for the for the patriots but i would not be shocked if they went offensive line when did the patriots pick 14 14 okay yeah, uh, not used to being this early, honestly. Nope. Um, the, the usually it starts with a two or a three if you're a Patriots the last 20 years or so. Um, so I saw a couple mocks going through them. First off, let me tell you a mock not to look at. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. The, the, you could play the tape back in, in two weeks and I could look stupid. But Maurice Jones-Drew was doing a uh, mock draft. Oh, nice. Was doing a mock draft for NFL.com. He had Anthony Richardson one to the Panthers, and I'm like, Ooh. if they do that, if they, if they, and I like, I have not seen the legit guys say that, so that yeah. lends tends me to believe he's just going chaos theory. But <laughs> I, I, if they traded up just to take Richardson at one, I just have serious questions about Carolina and, and what they're doing. Uh, the, the mocks I'm using right now, I'm using one from CBS Sports, one for The Ringer. I'm trying not to go super mainstream and go just Mel Kiper regurgitation. But um, one mock draft, ironically, Brooks, has the Buccaneers trading up to 14 with the Patriots uh, taking Broderick Jones' tackle out of Georgia and then uh, uh, Bill Belichick raising them another Georgia player by taking Nolan Smith, the edge, out of uh, out of Georgia at nineteen. So you would say the Buck, Bucks and the Patriots would switch picks. Yes. That you know that's a that's a Bill Belichick move too. Is to hey we got a pretty decent first round pick. Let's move back. Did he I say, likes to move back. Yeah. Did what I say, what would uh? Does say Broderick Jones? I meant to say uh, Darnell Wright. By the way. Um, oh. The, I was looking oh. at two different things. Uh, so um, in the CBS Sports, the Bucks trade up the fourteen and take Darnell Wright tackle out of Tennessee. Uh, Nolan Smith uh, goes 19 to the Patriots in that one. And the other one, the Ringers mock draft, Broderick Jones is taken 14 by the Patriots mm. uh, tackle out of Georgia. Well, so. What did the Buccaneers give up in that move? You know, these pansies, I'm calling them out. <laughs> these, <laughs> these pansies, <laughs> they don't list all the draft capital okay. that you give up. They just Fair enough. You, there's always a switch of their first-round picks, but as we all know, there's usually more to it than that. Right. So like, I would imagine if the Bucks were to trade up five spots to 14, they'd probably give the Patriots, like, obviously 19 and maybe like a third and a six or a third and a fourth or you know something else compensation-wise that's at least somewhat significant if you're – exchanging first-round picks. Interesting. Um, for the record, uh, the CBS mock draft, as I uh, get another beautiful ad, uh, <laughs> great 2023 <laughs> stuff, uh, has uh, uh, Devin Weatherspoon corner going to Atlanta at 8. Do they? Okay. Uh, out of uh, Illinois. 
um, and then the the Ringers mock at eight uh, has uh, Bijan Robinson being selected eighth That's by Atlanta. The 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 discourse around Atlanta's pick at eight has gone a million different ways because a lot of people the the argument is hey you need a second corner so do you take Devin Witherspoon who seems kind of more NFL ready right now. The other name that a lot of people have thrown out is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, who seems to be a little more raw but has a much higher ceiling than Witherspoon. Then you go, well, this team doesn't really care about positional value. They took a tight end at four a couple of years ago. So do they go B. John Robinson because he fits so well into Arthur Smith's offense? He wants to create the the thunder and lightning with B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier. Okay, that makes sense. You still need an offensive you still need a guard somewhere. So if Peter Skaronsky is available, they're saying they could take him. Uh, a lot of teams are apparently not very high on C.J. Stroud anymore, but the Falcons are, so if he falls to eight, they're more than likely going to pick him up. There's been a million different players named at eight for the Atlanta Falcons, and that was just a little bit of what I said. Uh, Tyree Wilson, the edge uh, out of Michigan, I think, is where Tyree Wilson is from. Uh, is another name that I've heard. Also, I've heard that the Falcons could try and trade with the Falcons. to Texas or, Tech. Texas Wilson. Tech for Tyree Wilson. Tra- the Falcons could try to trade with the Cardinals, move up to three, and take Will Anderson. The- I have no idea what the Falcons are going to do, and neither does anybody else. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it does seem like kind of the hot topic right now is, hey, the Falcons have a really good running back in Tyler Algier, but they could very well go ahead and draft B. John Robinson at eight. I will tell you that that ringer mock that had Bijan eight had Gonzalez going seventh and Witherspoon six. So maybe okay. that would be a matter of they're not on the table okay. in that scenario. Now, if they are on the table, then that might be Atlanta's preference still. They've clearly built uh, a lot of their defense off of this free agency cycle with, with all the cap room. Oh, my had. goodness. It, it, is, it is a respectable defense for the first time in seven years. Yeah, they, they have done a, a lot of improvement there. I think Brooks here – when I go back to your Patriots. I've also seen, like I said, I've seen a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, uh, Skaronsky from Northwestern is a name that I've, I've seen a couple times. Well, he has a um, a name that sounds like a Patriot guy. <laughs> he, he, he sounds Honestly. like an offensive lineman on the um, Patriots, doesn't he? My thing for New England is, and maybe they do need some offensive line, but I, I've seen this guy all over the place. I don't think he'll last till 14. If Bijan is there... I think New England needs to do that. I, I, that's not something people have been talking about. And fine, I'll go against the trend a little bit. But New England has been so stuck in their ways of having average uh, position players for years. Yes. And I know that, fine, they like their running backs. Ramondre's fine. You know, and uh, did, is Damian Harris back? Damian Harris is gone. gone. So Ramondre's fine. Whatever. It, it is a revolving door at running back because as soon as someone gets good, the Patriots, that's one position that the Patriots can always find a guy that not that's necessarily a first round guy, but like you're going to get a guy later in the draft and he's going to step up and be big and then they're going to ship the guy out before he gets real expensive. It happened with Sony Michelle a few years ago. Now it's Damian Harris or so Ramondre Stevenson kind of came in and was the that main guy last year and now you've got I, I think Harris uh from um, from South Carolina, Kevin yeah, Kevin Harris from South Carolina is like that two guy now. So wouldn't be shocked within the next couple of years that Stevenson starts to get phased out and Harris starts to come in. Right, and so yeah. like, but instead of doing that, if Bijan's available, and again, I don't know. I've seen mocks with him as low as like seventeen or eighteen, but then in the same breath, everyone's like, "This is the most talented running back since Saquon." So I don't see how the most talented running back since Saquon goes 
back back half of the first round. I feel yeah. like that's a top 10, 12 pick right there. But if he's on the board for you guys, get an elite skill position player. Yeah. So, tr- see if that's going to end up working. And, like, if Belichick doesn't want to pay the guy four years down the road, guess what? Belichick may not even be coaching four years down the road. Get over it. Well, like, like they, I want to see them actually give a damn about their their skill position players because part of what made them so great is that they got these guys on the margins and they made it work with chemistry and with Brady. It's like, well, okay, not everyone's Tom Brady. So, yeah. do you feel like you repeated that with Mac Jones? Do you feel like you got the second Tom Brady? No, I, I don't think anyone feels that way right now. And so, what you do with a traditionally average quarterback is you get good things around them to help the offense get better. Now, sometimes that's weaponry with wide receivers and tight ends, but other times it's the ability to, all right, well, we think that Mac Jones or Mac Jones is a really good play action passer. So, you know what? We're going to make our running game really good so that that is going to a give us that avenue of, of playing good offensive football but then b that's going to make his play action more effective because we have a, a scary talented running back to account for if you're those linebackers and, and safeties that are going to get swooped in by that play action so i know they won't i'm not this is you know this is not my commentary of what will happen and Every single year when we do the mock draft, we always have a team decision on here. Are we doing what we think will happen, or are we doing what we think should happen? And I think the Patriots should be targeting someone like B. John Robinson because they are going this route of, yes, what we did was successful for 20 years, but we also had the same quarterback in the huddle for 20 years. That was the constant ingredient to that, to where we can throw pick your slot receiver here, your 5'11 slot receiver right here, and just as long as we have a great tight end and serviceable running backs, it's going to be good. But right now, New England is going through a, a, a roster transformation of all these guys that were part of that are gone. Yep. Even some of the great defense players like McCourty, Hightower, they're gone. And so it's a, it's a whole new age for them. And I, I think that they would be wise to to invest in some of these these top guys again is they're not having to pay a lot of money it's still just a rookie deal but if Bijan's there at 14 if I'm the Patriots that's what I'm doing uh, a couple more minutes left here in hour number one so go back to the Falcons for a moment and then if I'm Atlanta I know that they have made a couple of moves for safeties uh, Jesse Bates being the biggest one mm-hmm. Uh, they have traded for Jeff Akuda, so I don't know if that influences whether they feel they still need a first-round corner or if it's just someone that they maybe add in the second or third round. Because, again, needs don't always have to be filled in the very first round. The best teams draft really well in the middle rounds and get starters out of rounds two through four and five. So it's not necessarily about that. Uh, my thing with Bijan is, though, as talented as I am now, let me – counterpoint how good Bijan is <laughs> is that I think Atlanta's sitting on some good running backs. I, I, I think that they would only minorly upgrade what they're about to get. Like I think Algier is going to be really good. I think that he runs like a bowling ball. He might end up getting injured in three years, but he he has a, a very <laughs> physical style of running. Uh, I think that Cordell Patterson still has a little something left. There was a third running back that, that Influence played some too, right? That it I'm, was uh, Tyler Huntley, and he will begin the year on the IO. Okay, he, so he, he will uh, be he got a knee injury last year. So he and he may never be the same be the as same. he was. Sure. And again, the, the again, you're right. I agree with everything you're saying, and, and I, it's not who I want the Falcons to take, right? But I could absolutely see them doing it. And another reason 
for that is Cordero Patterson's going to be like 33, he 34. Is, but I'm not saying he's the starter. I'm saying, yeah. you know, 10 to 12 touches a game yeah, feels I mean, right. 12 feels high. 10 feels high. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm including a couple passes in there. Too. Yeah. A couple it, it's it's, it's going to have to be that. It's going to have to be he's a kick returner and he's your third down back and he gets a couple of touches on the goal line. He's not going to be able to, to have a true RB2 load. For at, at his age, and, and frankly, it's it has kept him down the past couple of years. He's gotten nicked up and hasn't been able to play as well during the end of the season. So there is uh, a little bit about Atlanta and New England, two very unlike teams, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, favorite teams of Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. Again, Brant will be with us next week, so we'll have more draft conversations, absolutely, but need to get a little a little thought there with the New England Patriots. And again, we'll uh, we'll figure out next week exactly what we do in terms of mock drafts and, and that sort of thing. But it is that time of year, just seven days away from the NFL draft, and then the NFL kind of takes a chill pill for a few months, unless Lamar Jackson just does not sign anywhere, and we just have to keep speculating on how many guaranteed he got offered that week. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but we are out of time for hour number two. Got to take a long break right here, but when we come back, a lot more sports call in hour number three. Again, full show today. Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you. So stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of sports call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Brent Daughtry and Brooks Childress with me here this afternoon. Yeah, what, you do. Yeah, we do. What Last hour of the month for Brooks. Um, we, me, we, as in Brooks and I, will not be on the show tomorrow. That will be up to Brant and Cam. They will be live at Glenn Smith Buick GMC. And, of course, they are going to be there on behalf of, of us as uh, Dadeville, as, as, or excuse me, as uh, they are putting on a, an event for um, Dadeville. And we want to remind you that the Community Foundation of East Alabama is announcing a relief fund dedicated to supporting the families and community of Dadeville who have been affected by the tragic shooting that occurred on the evening of April 15th. The Caring for Dadeville Fund will be used to directly provide resources to those organizations that are supporting and addressing the needs of the affected families in the community at large. 
100% of these funds minus credit card fees will be distributed as grants to these organizations and partners. We must all come together to support those on the ground tirelessly addressing the needs of the community and families affected by this tragic loss of life. Through this fundraiser, we can all send love and compassion to the people in town of Dadeville to donate. Visit caringfordadeville.org. Again, that is caringfordadeville.org, and the guys will be out there at Glenn Smith tomorrow on behalf of, of this great cause. Again, a, uh, a tragedy that happened this past Sunday or uh, Saturday night in Sunday, and uh, just a, a really rough situation. And uh, Anyway, the, the guys will be out there tomorrow doing a remote show. It'll be our first remote show in a while, of course, again, uh, as we've been noting, Brooks uh, is very occupied tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> I am blessed enough to be a part of the wedding party, so I will be occupied tomorrow too. So we certainly appreciate Brant, who's with us here today, and Cam for uh, for doing the show tomorrow, and then for everyone that's going to be helping back at the station. Again, um, a, a difficult time for the community of Dayville. Only, again, it keeps striking me only about a half hour from here, so... Uh, definitely a uh, a good cause that we're going to be out there in support of tomorrow. All right, well, let's uh, let's get into the sports world here in hour number three, but a little bit uh, more of a national conversation uh, from what we've talked about, which is predominantly Auburn-related uh, stuff and a little NFL draft so far. We have had this sort of conversation in the past. We have alluded to that there is going to be at some point a Las Vegas franchise in Major League Baseball. We have had this conversation probably two or three times, and we've talked about the various cities that would make sense to, for other expansion and that sort of thing. Well, the news broke late last night that the Oakland A's have entered an agreement for land in Las Vegas with plans to build a $1 billion, 35,000-seat ballpark. The MLB team has signed a binding deal for 49 acres of land owned by Red Rock Resorts. And so uh, that news coming out of Las Vegas. So in other words, the Los and uh, excuse me, the Oakland how got ahead of myself. The Oakland Athletics are going to move to Las Vegas. And that is going to be the final straw for professional sports teams in Oakland as they will move away from Oakland and go to Las Vegas. We have talked the business side, and I'll bring it back up in a moment. But first and foremost, guys, the Oakland Athletics are on the more historical side of baseball. They have been around for a long time. And oh, the city of Oakland, the last couple of, of, of years in particular, last decade, they've lost the Golden State Warriors to San Francisco. So still part of the Bay Area, but not the same. And then the Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas. They're now losing the Oakland Athletics. It's a gutting time for Oakland sports fans that they have lost all this. And, man, it, it is. we've seen other teams move, like St. Louis moving, uh, the Rams moving to Los Angeles. But I don't – I not in my lifetime. I'm not going to say it's not happened. But not in my lifetime has three – major sports franchises moved out of one city, leaving them with, with zero. Yeah. I, I think <clears throat> for, for the fans of the athletics, the fans of Oakland sports in general, it's gotta be gut wrenching, you know? And it's, it's not like the athletics don't have a fan base. They, they've just been really, really bad 
for a while now. So nobody comes to the games, and I feel like that's kind of what's being used as the leverage. I heard somebody say that Athletics fans are planning a reverse boycott, show up to as many games as possible and try to fill that stadium and let the Athletics know, hey, you do still have a fan base here. But, uh, yeah, it, it does look like the deal is more or less done. Um, and it, it, it really sucks for those fans that have wanted to go out there and have wanted the team to be successful. And then let, let's talk about uh, the Golden State Warriors moving across the bay. They had a, a loaded fan base uh, in Oakland and moved anyway. So it's not like that's going to solve the issue. And then the Raiders have had, a, I feel like, a love-hate relationship with that city for their entire existence. So uh, the entire thing is very interesting. And and like you said, three the three major sports in America, all having a franchise there and all moving out within a fifth, uh, 10, 15 years, is is pretty pretty brutal. I just, I just hope that, and I, I think I, I expressed this to you earlier, uh, Ryan, off the air. I just hope that they keep the athletics name, and they they when they moved ultimately moved from Philadelphia to Oakland when they were a youth franchise way back in the the days of yore, as you like to say. <laughs> Um, they they did keep the name, so I hope they do continue to be the athletics. Cause I I just like their color scheme. I don't know what it is about that yellow and and green together, but I I love their uniforms. I like their color scheme, so I hope they they keep that. I don't like to see franchises move. If if you're gonna expand to a new city, I like the expansion to bring a new team in. Um, I, I don't like to see franchises move, but I will say this: the you know the Oakland Athletics. And it, it's it's really it, it's really about the stadium situation because you know there's a fan base in the Bay Area for Oakland teams. We saw and it, you know it, it's a little enhanced with the with the Warriors because the Warriors were both San Francisco and Oakland's team. There wasn't a San Francisco football team or ba- Thus basketball. They team. named themselves the Golden State Warriors, yeah. not the Oakland Warriors, or or they were the San Francisco Warriors. Uh, yeah. Well, a long, long time ago, but but yeah. But you look at you know you look at the rest of the Bay Area. You you split you when when everything was you know when everybody before all the the movement started here within the past ten years, um, San Francisco had a football team. Oakland had a football team. San Francisco had a baseball has a baseball team. Oakland has a baseball team. And then you kind of both share the San Jose Sharks. It's still the the big shared one there, along with the Warriors, but. It is, it's, you know, it, I don't want to say it's, you know, like you brought up Brant, the, the reverse protest or the reverse boycott boycott where you, as many people show up as possible, you know, at that, at this point, it's like, you know, they were the, the athletics are a team that we continuously, you know, off the air, um, in the office, we'll see like stats come out. It's like, Oh, this many fans were at the game. It was like in the, you know couple thousand and, and a, wow there was you know there was more people in auburn arena for auburn versus texas southern yeah uh and it, it it's at this point if you're doing you know you're bringing oh let's do the re- reverse boycott that, that's a little too little too late you you if you've got enough fans that you could get out there and you know fill the fill the stadium or get close to filling the stadium trying to keep them there you should have been doing that the whole time you should have been showing up to the games the whole time um, I think the biggest issue here is that it, it's the the stadium because the Oakland the Oakland Alameda Coliseum McAfee Coliseum whatever its name is at this point um, it's just 
and I've never been there, so I can't, you know, fully say, you know, that, oh, it's a dump. But from all reports, it's a dump. And that's why the Raiders moved. They couldn't get a new stadium they, deal. Their sewers were backed up yeah. a few years ago. It's a little, I mean, yeah, it's the, awful. The Raiders couldn't get a new stadium deal. The Athletics can't get a new stadium deal where you can build a new stadium. And so with the, you know, it's a business. At the end of the day, Major League Baseball, pro sports is a business. And you look around the Major League Baseball, you've got teams building ballparks. Like you've got the Braves that just built a, a brand spanking new ballpark i think they're the newest is is truest park the newest in the league oh i'd have to rack the brain through all 30 miami was before miami's big stadium was before you'll have to give me man i'm not going to swear to one way or the other i want to say i want to but Uh, i feel like texas was more no you're right globe life opened uh in 2020 globe life or 2019 one of those years gotta go you just you just keep talking i might think of one so you, you know you've got stadiums that have opened you know, not even brand new stadiums. You've got, you know, stadiums that have been open the past 10, 20 years that have just, you know, overshadow what the what you've got in the in Oakland. And you've even got old stadiums. You've got the old characteristic, you know, old stadiums like Wrigley. You got Dodger Stadium, you got Fenway that, you know, if you're looking for baseball fans, you'd probably rather go to one of those stadiums than to the the Oakland Bowl Coliseum. So, you know, it it's it's sad. I I want the Oakland Athletics to stay in Oakland. I don't like franchise changes i was i was very upset on the football side of things when st louis uh the st louis rams moved and went to los angeles um they you know they've had far more success than the chargers did i think the chargers should have stayed in san diego too if any if anyone was going to move any football team was going to move to la it should have been the raiders uh because you look at that the the fan base around there there were so many raiders fans left over from when it was the la raiders but you know it, it's a business at the end of the day. I can't blame the owners for wanting to move it and move the stadium. But I will say this. If you're Oakland and you're committing to a billion-dollar stadium in Las Vegas, you better start spending some money because the Oakland Athletics are a team that's, you know, that famously had a, mo- made, uh, had a movie made about them called Moneyball where yeah. they, you were going and getting paying little to no money. If you're going to build a $1 billion stadium in Las Vegas – Cool. You're in Las Vegas. It's a you know it's it's proven itself as a good sports town with the Raiders and the the Golden Knights success. But if you're not spending money on baseball on on top of the line baseball players and you're just trotting out whatever the heck is on the field right now for the Oakland Athletics, guess what? Attendance the attendance problem is going to stay. It's going to be a fancy ballpark, and there's going to be you know a couple thousand people in it same day. I, I think Las Vegas will support the team very well. I, I think that. Um, they have shown when what they did with the with the Golden Knights, what they did with um, the Raiders. Again, it's not like you just be, if you're an Oakland resident, you're just a Raiders fan that commutes to Las Vegas eight times a year. Right? Those are that's not a drivable deal. So they they have produced plenty of of, of Raiders fans there in that area because Las Vegas is growing so much, and they make it such a big tourist attraction again it tells me if you can support football which is requiring 60 70,000 people but then you can also support something that's more niche and that it is not a um, not very regional to that part of the of the country you can support hockey the way that the gold knights did from day one you know i i don't think so that i or i don't think that there's going to be a problem in in supporting that team. I do think, Brooks, what you're talking about with uh, the, the payroll and stuff, 
I, I'd be curious to know, and look, these owners have gobs and gobs of money, right? So I feel yeah. that to some Se- degree... Several billions and billions of dollars. Uh, yes. I feel to some degree they could spend money even with poor attendance. But when you do have attendances that are that poor, I mean, it becomes maybe more difficult to justify the, the bigger payroll because it feels like even when the A's were good... Um, a, a few years ago, they made the the wild card round a couple times. Like they got fans for those playoff games, but very quickly would would bleed those fans. And it happens right now to Tampa, where Tampa can start winning a million games, and they're still only going to draw ten, twelve thousand. So I think that that part of the reason that ownership would argue, uh, you know, that they don't spend is because of the attendance. But it, it just becomes a carousel because then the crowd doesn't show up because you don't spend. So it's. <laughs> You know, it, it it kind of is a self fulfilling prophecy in that order. Well, we don't we don't have anyone come up. Well, yeah, they don't uh, they don't have anyone come out because you don't pay any money. <laughs> you got to spend money to make money. So, the the ultimate thing here though is this: that Oakland was a once very proud uh, sports city that that had the big three sports, and they they would not pay for the new stadium for the Raiders or for the A's. The Warriors thing hurt them maybe the most, I think, because while Golden State Golden State clearly had no intention of leaving that area, but Joe Lacob kind of just decided that they were going to move to San Francisco because that's where all the tech is. That's where the, the most of the money in that area is. It's and, a little more shiny. And, and exactly. And so the Warriors didn't have to move. Uh, I know that Oracle Arena was still pretty old, but they didn't have to. It wasn't run down in the way that uh, Oakland Coliseum has been run down over the last decade or two. And yet the Warriors did that anyway. And so that left just just the teams that occupy this eyesore and this really horrible facility. And the city was not willing to go the extra mile there. And they made tough but I think ultimately poor decisions and so these are some of the more justified relocations I feel that we've seen in the last couple decades because to your point with the Rams there was no issues in St. Louis Mm -mm. those were really good fans they were not having attendance problems it was just Cronky wanted the bright lights of LA that was just a I'm I'm the owner I'm super rich I want the team in LA and so that was, I guess, great for L.A. The Rams had been there at one point. It at least made sense from that standpoint. But St. Louis did nothing wrong. It was very heartbreaking for St. Louis. And then for San Diego, look, again, a lot of this gets born out of out of stadium bickering because the Chargers ultimately also wanted a new stadium in San Diego, and the city wouldn't do it. And Spanos wouldn't have as much patience as maybe some of these other owners have had. And so he saw Kroenke jump and ship to L.A. and rode his coattails on over there, even though it didn't make nearly as much sense to the Chargers organization as it's the Rams, because, again, at least the Rams had been there for a while. L.A., uh, excuse me, the, the San Diego Chargers spent like two or three years in, in, in L.A. They, they were the L.A. Chargers for a couple of years, but not, not anywhere near the history that the Rams accrued there. And so... You've now got this situation where those teams were justified to a degree, but not fully. 
and then I'm trying to think, you know, the the Seattle to Oklahoma City thing just sucked. That that didn't make again. I, I'm not going to remember the politicking there because I was not quite old enough. I don't know if there was a arena dispute in Seattle. Again, I imagine there was because these things follow almost every storyline of relocation, or at least the owners frame it that way. But that still to this day is probably one of the more puzzling ones because you move to no offense to Oklahoma, they look they they they've supported that team very well. But on paper, Oklahoma City didn't seem like, you know, this big cool thing to do when yeah. you're moving a team from Seattle, which is a large city. And so, of all these, the A's and the Raiders feel the most justified because of those stadium issues, and because there just seemed like this feeling of dread every time that you would go to the Coliseum or talk about a new facility that the city didn't seem like they were as engaged in this process. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the stadium thing is, it, it is a big deal for the A's. Most of all, the fact that the A's are, um, the, the fact that the A's are just playing in a stadium where I, I think the biggest thing, I mean, like Ryan touched on earlier, they had sewer lines break in the stadium. And yeah. sewage started raining down on seats. Luckily, there was not a game happening at the time. But I mean, that's kind of a bizarre thing to have happen. I mean, imagine if that imagine if that had happened during a game. Oh my! Like that's yeah. not that that's not something you want. Nachos? No. Oh. Or or anywhere else near you. I, I just it's been brutal, and it's been brutal for a long time. And the fact that no effort to fix it has been made really. I think kind of signaled this intent a while ago, and now they, they're carrying it out. Last thought I have here, then we need to take our next break, and then we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line again after the break. But So the domino has fallen for Las Vegas, that they're about to get, have three of the big four. I know we keep alternating between the big three and the big four sports, but obviously when we say big three, we're talking NFL, NBA, MLB. You add a fourth, and it's the NHL. They're about to have three of the four. And that only leaves the NBA at that point. And I think there's, again, a lot of signs. You listen to some sports business people talk about that at, at some point the NBA is going to do like everyone else and they're going to get to 32. And it's just kind of a no-brainer that Las Vegas is a part of that. Las Vegas is about to. And a span of we'll, – we'll see when they get the NBA team. We'll see when they announce that and, and the exact year that the A's can finish this ballpark. It might be four or five more years that they're in Oakland. To be fair, I don't know how quickly they can move this thing. But in a span of approximately 10 to 15 years, Las Vegas could go from zero to all four, depending on when the NBA stuff happens. Because what was the Golden Knights? About 16, 15? Yeah. Yeah, And so a few years later, the Raiders were now not even a decade from the Golden Knights, and now we've got news of the A, so they'll be in in a few years. So again, depending on when the NBA gets involved here – just over a decade for Vegas to go from zero to four. That's it, a, I, that, other than like 60s or 70s, like we're now figuring out that some of our cities are big. This has <laughs> got to be the biggest explosion for, for a sports city. And it, it would also be you'd split evenly because I, I, there's not really many rumors of an NBA team moving to Vegas. It would just be an expansion franchise. And so you would have the Vegas Knights, who were expansion franchise, and NBA Team X, which would be expansion, and then Vegas taking 
two other teams yeah. away from a city and it's the same a city little grab too. bag there yeah. <laughs> so uh fascinating stuff you know you guys know i can talk about the sports business stuff we'll have more relocation news in the coming months and years because again i baseball this is still 30 okay they still at some point i think are gonna go to 32 I think nashville's been eyed really recently right. and what's what that's what sparked the conversation last time we talked about this was probably only like two weeks ago <laughs> uh so uh but again if you missed it the news the oakland athletics Entered an agreement for land in Las Vegas, plans to build a $1 billion, 35,000-seat ballpark. And again, the MLB team has signed a binding deal for 49 acres of land owned by Red Rock Resort. So they got the casino involved here, and uh, nothing screams Vegas like a good uh, casino deal. And, and Also, this, this can, uh, definitely has to be a conversation for another time because we can't get into right. this right now. This is too deep. But now an MLB team is making a deal with a casino. Sports betting? Sports betting? Yeah. Pete Rose. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Get us to a break before we get on that Yeah, path. let me hit that music. Oh, that's – you know how I feel about that, too. Don't don't trigger me. Trigger me as we got to go to break. We do need to take this first time out of hour number three, though. On the other side, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. Starting to wind down here this Thursday edition of Sports Call. We'll be back right after this time out. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress with me here. Final 15, 20 minutes of the show right here on this beautiful Thursday. So let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one at Tiger 9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about the Oakland A's moving from Oakland to Las Vegas, and I think Las Vegas is going to be a really good fit for the baseball team, well, for the city of Vegas to actually have a baseball team out there because um, Vegas, they don't have a baseball team. They have a football team and a hockey team and a WNBA uh, women's basketball team that just won uh, the – the championship last uh, few years. Yeah, they've got a lot of good sports teams out there, and, and you know, one, we're not really uh, arguing that it wouldn't be a uh, a good fit uh, for a baseball team to get there. It's I, I think most of us just don't want to see the the athletics move. They're they're a franchise that's built a history in Oakland, and we mm-hmm. I think we'd all be in favor of uh, Las Vegas getting an expansion team. Like Na- Nashville could get an expansion team, but uh, I think it's the the fact that they're moving a team that that has a lot of people um, upset. 
Yeah, because, I mean, with, with the, the Oakland fans, I know they're pretty upset about their team moving from, you know, their original uh, home base that they built their home stadium in for years, and they're just saying, you know, if, if it's, if it's the fans that are being involved, they should say no. We we want they want to actually stay there in Oakland. You know whether it is if their stadium needs to be fixed or you know other measures need to be uh, addressed because like with um, the NFL uh, football team, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're doing pretty good. Uh, the Las Vegas Aces, they're doing pretty good. I think they might make another WNBA uh, run at the championship this year. And, you know, with another expansion team coming to Las Vegas with the uh, XFL, I think, you know, next year uh, the XFL should have a Las Vegas team out there, you know, just to add to that list in 2024 to 2025. Yeah, I uh, I think definitely things are, are growing in Las Vegas. I think they already had an XFL. Yeah, team they got the Vegas year. Vipers, James. Uh, so they they already yeah. have one of those. So yeah, they they've been uh, they've been booming. Yeah, because I mean, with the uh, Las Vegas Vipers, I've uh, seen their schedule, and their schedule is not looking pretty good. So with the with the uh, the semifinals and the uh, championship right around in the horizon. Um, I'm looking at to see these last two teams, well, these eight teams that are going to be playing in the semifinals. I'll probably see my new team, the um, the Arlington um, Renegades, will actually make it to the championship and actually win as well. So I'm keeping my hopes and spirit for my new team out there in Arlington, Texas, to see my team actually win. Uh, win the uh, XFL championship this year as well. And then, you know, the uh, USFL just started this past weekend, and I believe mm-hmm. you're you're still a Birmingham Stallion, Stallions fan, right? Yes, I am. I am a Birmingham Stallions fan because I actually think that this year I will probably see the Birmingham Stallions make another run this year to the uh, championship, uh, to the championship uh, playoff spot and go to Canton, Ohio, and win it again. And that will be uh, two wins under uh, the Birmingham, the city of Birmingham to actually win uh, back-to-back championships this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, going to be looking at some NBA basketball and uh, seeing who's actually going to come out on top, seeing if, Philip, if um, the 76ers would lose this game against Phoenix, so I got Phoenix winning by 40 and taking it all the way to the end of the game as well. Yeah, so uh, Phoenix, you know, has the uh, Los Angeles Clippers tonight, and there's going to be mm-hmm. no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, so that's going to really uh, hurt the Clippers and and uh, help the Phoenix Suns out. And then I know uh, in other NBA action, you know, that, that first game is the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. and the Sixers are up 2-0 in that series. Yeah, so I actually have, um, in that game, I have the Philadelphia 76ers actually beating the Brooklyn Nets. So that will be three games to, what, two? Am I saying that three, correct? Three to zero if they win okay. that game. Yep. Okay, so that will be three three nothing. So it will uh, tie them, you know, with uh, some other uh, team that went 3-0, and but I'm not quite sure. So I just have to see 
um, what team was that actually that went three and zero as well? And then the other matchup tonight is the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors, and the Kings can get to a three zero series lead if they're able to beat Golden State. Yeah, because I um, with that game I have Golden State actually winning and trying to make it to the NBA Finals. So I'm just uh, trying to see if. Uh, Stephen Curry is going to actually cook up something tonight as well. I certainly hope so. I'm a big Steph Curry fan, so I know the Warriors really have to win tonight. They've got Draymond Green suspended, so they're going to be up against it tonight. But the Warriors are four-time champs for a reason, so maybe they can can, uh, fight off a, a tough game tonight and win a close one at home. Yes, because I know with the Los Angeles Lakers, I've heard a lot of upsets with one of the uh, Memphis Grizzlies players actually saying something during last night's game to LeBron James, calling him, telling him that he was he was an older player for the team. I mean, why would that player actually sit there and say something like that? That was kind of unsportsmanlike for him to sit and say something like that. Yeah, I mean, you're right, James. A lot of the things that Dylan Brooks uh, does is unsportsmanlike, and uh, he is just trying to get under under other players' skin and, and trying to be a pest. And I think at the end, end of the day, LeBron has done a good job in his career not letting stuff like that get to him. So mm-hmm. I do not expect that to have any impact on the rest of the series. Yeah, because, I mean, with LeBron James, I mean, that's his team. He's played uh, with uh, – Two other former teams and under his belt, he played with the Miami Heat and the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think it's time for him to actually uh, take that team to the NBA Finals to win the Finals, get a ring for the Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, open up the doors to the NBA uh, Hall of Fame and walk right on in. Yeah, there's no doubt he's going to be a an NBA Hall of Famer the moment uh, he retires. He's uh, absolutely done every part of that and. Uh, he could have retired years ago and still been a Hall of Famer. That's the kind of career he's had. Yes, as well. And then with the NFL um, draft that's coming in, I'm actually trying to see what team in the NFL would pick Tank Bigsby for the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of great teams out there that he wants to actually play for. Um, when the first-round draft comes and if they call his name, I will probably see Tank Bigsby actually play with the uh, Super Bowl champs with the Can- the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that would be a really good fit for him. And seeing if they're going to pick him, if they would, uh, just give Tank Bixby a chance because I think he looks like a really good player and a good fit for the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I hope Tank Bixby does have a good NFL career, but he will – uh, not go in the first round. So we'll see where he ends up going on day two or day three. Again, mm-hmm. uh, he feels like a very talented running back. And uh, some running backs can get picked in the middle rounds and still go on to be stars and, and, and play for a long time. So we will see, and we'll certainly be looking forward to whoever picks up Tank Bigsby. Yeah, because I was uh, looking at um, some of the kickers that we had for Auburn, like Anderson Carlson. Um, where where do you think he would go? You know, with his uh, with his kicking background from his um, brother Daniel Carlson, I'll, I'll probably see Anderson Carlson actually play uh, alongside with his brother in Las Vegas, and I would like I would like to see that as well because I think those two are very close together, and I know he's he's very close to his brother. So if it was me. 
in his shoes, I would like to play right right alongside my brother in uh, Las Vegas and actually getting some great uh, pointers from you know from him as well. You know, if if Anderson Carlson wanted to get you know Dan, Daniel Carlson can give him some good uh, pointers on how to how to you know progress on his kicking as well. Well, that would be cool. Most NFL teams do not carry two kickers, so. Uh, I don't think it would be Las Vegas, and I think for Car- uh, for Anders Carlson, I think he's going to have to uh, make it as an undrafted guy. I-, I do not expect him to be one of the couple of kickers taken in the draft, and so mm-hmm. he might uh, he might get involved with the team's uh, training camp and-, and have an opportunity in the preseason, hopefully. But he'll have to make it as an undrafted guy. Yeah, so if he makes it as an undrafted guy, and then once my team is on the clock, and if they want a kicker, uh, we might, I don't know what Jerry Jones might say, but if he has the opportunity to get Anderson Carlson on the Dallas Cowboys roster, then I would love to, you know, have him on the team as well. So whenever um, our time on the clock comes and if there's a kicker that we need, then I can actually uh, follow Anderson Carlson on Twitter and just tell him welcome to the team, and I hope I see you in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's what I, that's what I would do. All right, James, we've only got a couple minutes left uh, in the show here, so give us some final thoughts before we let you go. Well, um, my final thoughts would actually have to be I would like to see the Auburn uh, women's softball actually make it to the uh, college. Uh, no, I don't even know if they make it to the College World Series. I know that's in baseball. I don't know about softball. Yeah, they they have a college world series for both. They they have one uh, in 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 baseball, college baseball. That one is in Omaha, and then in softball, it's in Oklahoma City. Okay, so if I actually, I don't even know if Auburn women's softball plays tonight. I'm not sure. They they played last night and won three zero, and then they'll play again tomorrow night. They've got a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. Okay, so what I'm going to say is this. I would like to see the Auburn women's uh, softball team tomorrow night actually winning um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's game. And I hope and hope, uh, strong hope that they will make it to Oklahoma this year as well. And if they do, I would like to see Auburn and Alabama playing in the tournament as well. Well, Auburn is playing Alabama tomorrow. That is the series that Auburn has. Is uh, They've got three games in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Okay, so I would actually uh, be well, I'm already here in Tuscaloosa, so I might uh, roll over there. I might like you know, go down there and uh, see if if I could actually make them win. I I think that's a great idea, James. And again, that's uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So whatever day would work best for you. And James, right. you have to send us a picture if you go to the game. Oh, uh, I sure would. All right, and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yep, Auburn Alabama softball three game series this weekend. Again, we've talked a little bit about the significance of that just from the standpoint of top 16 seeding in the NCAA tournament, Alabama being in the top 15 right now, Auburn being number 21 in the country, or at least low 20s in most polls. And so Auburn in need of another series victory against a team like Alabama to try and end up being a host team in the NCAA regionals. 
We're down to just a couple minutes left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks. Yeah. What do we have? Well, we've got sports, and I'll give you one movie pick for this evening. Start at 6 o'clock on FX, your movie pick for the evening. It's a staple series on the Nightly TV Guy. That's right. We're going all the way back to the Jurassic series. Jurassic World 2, Fallen Kingdom, 6 o'clock FX is on tonight. That's right. Dinosaurs, humans. Why do we keep making these movies? We've made six of them. They're great. That's why we keep making them. But, you know, you hear all these stories about genetic, you know, working. Maybe we could bring this animal back from extinction. No! No, don't do it. Six movies. Why it shouldn't happen. <laughs> Watch them. Six o'clock FX. Uh, sports for you tonight. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs continue. Six o'clock on ESPN. Tampa Bay Lightning visit the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that is game two of that series. Uh, Maple Leafs are down 0-1. Also, 6.30 TBS. New York Rangers visit the New Jersey Devils. Big rivalry action in that one. Out West, 8.30 on ESPN. Seattle Kraken visit the Colorado Avalanche. And then 9 o'clock on TBS. Winnipeg Jets visit those Vegas Golden Knights. We talked a lot about Las Vegas sports teams. College softball action tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN2. Florida State takes on Virginia Tech. A nice little top 25 ACC clash. Then at 8 o'clock ESPN2, Oklahoma State visits Texas. Elsewhere, college baseball action. Kevin Ives talked about this series. ESPN U 630 tonight. Florida takes on South Carolina. Auburn will take on South Carolina next weekend in their season in their series. And then of course the NBA playoffs continue tonight. 630 on TNT. The 76ers visit the Brooklyn Nets. And then nine o'clock on TNT, the Sacramento Kings look to take a two a three oh series lead as the series shifts to the Bay Area. We've also talked about them a lot this uh, on this episode. The Golden State Warriors look to bounce back and grab a game at home. Please, That's your TV guide. Brought to you by Wet Claw. Please. Come on, Golden State. It's not done yet. Come on. That will do it for the show. We are done today. Uh, Brooks, thank you for being here, sir. Yes, sir. I hope you have the most beautiful weekend. Of course, I will see you, but uh, we will see you on the show again in May, and uh, you deserve this break, and I hope this is a, a great time for thank you. Thank you so much, and I look forward to being back here on May whatever. <laughs> and Brent, thank you for being here, sir. We will see you again tomorrow on the show, live from Glen Smith. Brooks, have a wonderful wedding weekend, and thank you for having me. We also appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us today on the show as well, and all those that tune in called in. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and the guys will talk to you tomorrow.